0: No, this this is the new normal. this lack of education in our society, and this is what is really harming us right now it isn 't a race thing. It's, it's an, a lack of education thing and how we all, all these systems work together to ensure
1: civil rights. Well, I'll tell you, uh, and I'll add to that, uh, I've said right along as well, uh, Dr. Martinelli, this is not a race thing. I think it's a good versus evil thing when you see a lot of the things that are going on, and, and I, I can point to all of them, and I believe when you see the kind of players that get involved in these things and they um, never let a crisis go to waste kind of thing, you know? Talk. Just talk. Because that's what we do here, friends. Malcolm Out Loud Talk. Welcome to the show. Well, Beyoncé's production at the VMA Awards is one of the latest examples where dancers were circling around her and one by one they fell to the ground. You know, the deep red spotlights were on each dancer to change their outfits from white to bright red all to symbolize blood and cops killing blacks. And then you have San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick, who refuses to stand for the national anthem as the big game starts. And he says, and I quote, I am not going to stand up to show pride for a flag for a country that oppresses black people. And this past week, entertainer singer Barbara Streisand tells her fans that, hey, if Donald Trump wins, I'm moving to Australia or Canada. Hmm. I wonder if they'll all buy her a plane ticket, perhaps, huh? (laughs) Well, more and more, the lines seem to be blurring, friends, when it comes to where you get your news and information from and where you get your entertainment from. Probably some of you uh, are outraged when you hear these stories I mention. But I want you to ask yourself the bigger question today. How does all this play into the minds of our kids? What are their perceptions about what appears to be the new normal in America? (music) Well, Dr. Ron Martinelli, a retired San Jose detective and world-renowned forensic criminologist. Well, he's done extensive research on the BLM movement. We're talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, author of the book, The Truth Behind the Black Lives Matter Movement and the War on Police. This book is full of facts and data. The research was exhaustive he did on this. I know this. You know, we're talking about Beyonce and Jay-Z, LeBron James, Serena Williams, Lady Gaga, Drake to name a few, they've all been very very outspoken when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement. When these entertainers like Beyonce, like Serena Williams, like Lady Gaga, Drake, when they take a stand on something as controversial as this, do you think it helps or hurts their career?
0: Well you know I don't think that it it hurts their career and uh, the unfortunate reason for that is because uh, the majority of their demographic of the people that listen to their music and enjoy uh, their forms of entertainment are are uninformed and uneducated uh, as to you know the issues that are facing us uh, in the United States uh, as a society. So uh, these uh, these young people are undereducated, underinformed. Uh, they don't they don't even really know what their civil rights are when they when they scream out for social justice or listen to those people uh, like these entertainers. That, uh, that, you know, scream out for what they refer to as social justice. These people are not even educated in, in, in basic uh, uh, civil affairs and civil rights. So they just drink the Kool-Aid and, and believe what their, uh, what their entertainer uh, heroes say the truth is.
1: Boy, isn't that the truth? You know, you, so you, you really bring it back to education uh, and the fact of them being informed or uninformed. And it seems to me like this whole next generation is more and more uninformed than, than I recall previous generations. But maybe maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm not thinking properly. But let me ask you this. When you look at all of this now, what impression overall do you think that this will have uh, when we talk about this new upcoming generation the millennials if you will the real young people the fact that they are uneducated at this point how does this shape it up for a whole generation what has got to be a big impact where does this i mean does this correct itself at some point dr martinelli or do you think that this is a new normal
0: no this is, this is the new normal
1: what do you believe the real goal of black lives matter this whole movement is really about Well, I don't believe anything. I know what the goal
0: is about because they tell us what their goals are. This organization is fairly transparent. As scary as it is, it's fairly transparent. And I refer to it with respect to law enforcement and the rule of law as the four D's. First of all, they understand that law enforcement are the protectors and enforcers of the rule of law in a by-consent, democratic form of government. That's what we have in this nation. It's by consent. It's not a monarchy. It's not a dictatorship. It's by consent of the people for the people. They understand that law enforcement are the centurions. They are the protectors of the rule of law. They do not like the American form of government. Who are they? Black Lives Matter and the surrogates of Black Lives Matter. And we'll talk about the differences, what their demographic is. But to return to your question, the first thing that they need to do if they are going to usurp the rule of law is they have to work on diminishing and dissolving those who protect it, which are law enforcement. So the first D is to disenfranchise... And the second D, to diminish the stature of law enforcement in front of the people. They want to embarrass them. They want to create a false narrative or a series of false narratives that police are the bad guys. Then what they want to do is they want to defund important law enforcement programs. These are the stop and frisk programs. These are ones that are referred to as broken windows policing. And then the last D is to dissolve law enforcement. They do not want police Uh, policing the minority communities in the United States because the basis of the Black Lives Matter movement is it is a radical and militant and Marxist organization. And they tell you this, and all of the language, if if your listeners pay attention to the language, the oppressed people, they talk about white supremacy, they talk about oppressed people, People, uh, they use a lot of terms that Saul Lewinsky used, uh, that Karl Marx has used, that Vladimir Lenin had used, and and this is very dangerous for those that believe in a democratic form of government.
1: Well, well, those are some lofty goals. You're listening to the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. That's well, where we say, "Let the silent voices be heard." You'll find a whole host of shows and a lineup of great content back at americaoutloud.com. Well, if you're looking to make a little more room in your home or your office, or you're looking just to get a little more organized... I want to give you a solution today. Closetsbydesign.com. I've used them in past years. They do tremendous work. They build closets out, food pantries, garage, you know, shelving in the garages. Uh, They do flooring, wall beds, organizers, all kinds of things. Check them out, folks. Closetsbydesign.com. Do you see any good at all? that the black lives matter movement could provide to society none
0: whatsoever now let's talk very briefly about the demographics who who is the black lives matter movement and and we already talked about what they're about but who are they first of all i think your listeners would be surprised to learn that the black lives matter movement founders are all Three black females. There are uh, two from, from the West Coast, from the San Francisco, one from the San Francisco Bay Area, one from the Los Angeles area, and one from New York City and they banded together after those first two cases, Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown, to form this movement. These women are all very well educated, they all have master's degrees, and they put together this group, and it just exploded. Now, for the founders of the movement, they are clearly Marxist-oriented, and all of the heroes that they talk about, and I profusely quote them in my book, are all cop-killers from the 60s and 70s, from the Black Panther movement and the Black Liberation Army and the Weather Underground, that I think some of your older listeners remember those groups. They were all radical, militant, and Marxist groups. Now, their surrogates... Believe like the founders do, but they're undereducated. A lot of the young people that gravitate towards the Black Lives Matter movement, mention them, quote them. Colin Kopertnik is an excellent example. Know nothing about the background of the movement, and they simply want what they refer to as social justice. I don't have a problem with anybody, you know, wanting social justice. We all want social justice, but let's define what social justice means. Social justice, without without truth, there can be no justice whatsoever, whether it's criminal justice or civil justice or or so-called social justice. But these people do not know anything, and they simply follow the movement because they think that the founding members are seeking social justice. That's not what they're seeking. We already talked about what the goals and objectives of the movement are. Right, right.
1: Those founding members, are they any names we would recognize? Well, I'll
0: give you all three of the members, and I'll bet you, you don't recognize any of them. Uh, Alicia Garza, uh, Opal Tamati, and Patrice Cullors.
1: Okay, so let me ask you and this. You never
0: hear them, do you? you
1: no, never, never hear them. Never heard their never names the before. Media.
0: You very rarely uh, see them on television because they know that they can be exposed for their backgrounds would put their surrogates forward let's talk about beyonce and jay-z carter they are major entertainers uh they're almost billionaires i think everybody knows the names beyonce and jay-z jay-z started out as a drug dealer and a thug he had been arrested and convicted for felonious assault he's had a long history with law enforcement uh he even shot his own brother at one time uh, when he was younger now of course they've entered into the entertainment industry and they are huge supporters of the black lives matter movement and they are funders of the movement they have and you know this is all in my book i've I've got all the. (laughs) it's funny i pulled uh, all their instagrams and a lot you can see the actual communication between them and their surrogates in funding black lives matter but here's the thing for these people it my question to them is because there's such hypocrisy what black lives matter you know what what black lives matter to them because on January 1st in 2010 on the island of St Barts at the Nicky Beach Club Beyonce Carter and J.C. took 2.5 million dollars from the family of war criminal Muammar Gaddafi from Libya. The ruler of Libya is personally responsible of killing tens of thousands of people of color to to forward his dictatorship, and of course it was Libya, under his uh, leadership uh, rule, is a terrorist organization. So you go ahead and you come to the, you know, the Beyonce Carter and and uh, and J.C. have the temerity of, of talking about Black Lives Matter and putting down police and, and, and you know, uh, staging all these entertainment spectacles where they accuse police of murdering uh, black people and then you take two and a half billion dollars from one of the butchers of the world internationally who's killed tens of thousands of people of color just you know and and you know what here's the thing that bothers me the mainstream media and, and and most of the people in the united states especially those people of color know nothing about this history of these two people it's disgraceful
1: If you could fix this, I mean, I I know this is a loaded question, brother, and I don't suspect you'd have a magic answer, but take a shot at that for me. How do we fix this as a society today? And what I'm worried about is I'm worried about our parents in middle America who really are not aware or connected with all the things we're talking about right now, and their kids are being subjected to all of this nonsense. How do we fix this?
0: Well, I think that's a great question, and I've got good news and bad news for you and your listeners. And by the way, I do address this in my book. I just don't throw the problem out there without coming up with solutions. Good. So here's, here's the good news. We can fix this. We can fix this problem. The bad news is, is America, is our society where we are today, and I'm talking about everything from the United States government at the highest levels down to the lowest levels of municipality and community activism. Are they willing to, to have the heroic courage it takes to fix this problem you know one of the problems that that we have is is simply education i'm writing a brand new book right now that talks about what real civil rights are and what behavior should be when when police have an interaction with you because people have no idea these new people they're just these kids are just uneducated our system is broken as as we've talked about which perpetuates this problem so number one the problem can be fixed number two the bigger problem is and the bad news i have for you is that i'm not seeing the leadership that it takes to fix this problem and you know what i've pretty much given up on the federal government uh the nanny state uh they are not prepared to fix this problem and certainly where we're going in the future uh, i don't see the leadership where they're going to fix it The, the the problem needs to be addressed at a community level not not even really at a state level but at a community level
1: Well, this is Malcolm Out Loud and you're listening to the most profound show on radio with the most profound name even, Talk. Welcome to Malcolm Out Loud Talk. Well, Beyonce's dancers, they ascended all in white and they fell to the ground one by one as their spotlights turned red. Now, the red reference was to gun violence and police shootings. This was Beyonce at the VMA Awards. If you didn't see that, you find it on YouTube as well. The video is quite striking, actually. You know, a man in a black hoodie, which became obviously famous image after Trayvon Martin, folks, was uh, shot wearing the hoodie, of course. And this person stands behind Beyonce, holding her shoulders. The mothers of the four men, uh, Trayvon Martin, Eric Gardner, Michael Brown, and Oscar Grant. The moms were all there, as they were at the DNC as well. Interesting. Gail Murphy, media expert, showbiz reporter, Hollywood correspondent, great enthusiast for life (laughs) as she's here. Her book, by the way, I love, Interview Tactics, How to Survive the Media Without Getting Clobbered. And if you can do that, you got it made. Gail, let me ask you, this has been very controversial the last few days. We're talking about entertainers, sports players, even the story about, you know, Colin Kaepernick, who's on the bench, doesn't want to do the anthem, you know. Do these do these people have the right to do what they're doing? The answer is yes, uh, because we give them free speech to do these things. Gail, you know, just a few days ago, Barbara Streisand comes out and says, "Well, you know what? Donald Trump wins. I'm moving to Australia or Canada." When it comes to our entertainers, our sports players, they you know they get a lot of publicity. The spotlight's always on them, Gail. They're fans. Do you think they really believe the things that these entertainers say? Like if they showed them something that was black and they said it was white, how much do fans really believe of this?
2: You know, this is. I'm going to share a little story with you right now, and it wasn't something that I thought about even in preparing for this. I remember about 25 years ago or 20 years ago, I did an interview with Don Henley, and we were talking about specifically this topic and this subject, and. I think this was when he was first putting together the whole Walden Woods thing. Where did uh, celebrities have a right to speak out on this kind of stuff? And he, whether right or wrong, what he said to me I thought was fairly insightful every day of the week they are in a different city in a different town talking to different people in different countries they have such an expanded um, view than the average American at this point especially when you look at it in 2016 We're only 25 percent Uh, Less than 25 percent of the American population even holds a passport. So their view of the world is not only national, but it is global in a lot of ways. So they can see what's happening in let's say Australia, as you said, or in Africa um, and the United States and see how the butterfly effect, how what you do in one place affects something in another place yes we have the first amendment which allows us and empowers us to be able to say what we feel and we have the right to do that um so i just kinda wanted to set the stage with that and since i sort of in a way represent hollywood here and anything that comes out of the tube has to fall under the category of Hollywood, even though you say, "Well, that's sports or that's charity." If people are talking about it and somebody's making money on it, it's Hollywood. Hollywood has a very long history about talking about issues and using the arts to stir. The
1: well, it's entertainment. You're right. Sports yeah. is entertainment. Uh, news. It's all enter. Even the news has become entertainment. Now it's all that's entertainment. Funny. But but here's the thing, Gail.
2: It's the name for it, and it's infotainment.
1: But but. That's right. That's a good point. But, but here's what I never got. I, I don't understand this. And so let me ask you this question. Let's take Barbara Streisand for a moment, please. People love Barbara Streisand, all right? Barbara Streisand's fans transcend life, politics, race, gender, all of it, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I bet you a lot of her fans... Are not just Democrats; they're Republicans as well. Republicans love great music. They love Streisand music just as well as the other do. Now, how smart is it for this particular entertainer? And there are many, many like her. But I want to ask you: How smart do you think it is for an entertainer like that to disenfranchise, maybe to disengage, to you know uh, upset half of her, possibly potentially half of her audience? Is that a smart move for an entertainer?
2: I don't know if it falls under the category of smart, I think it falls under the category of media savvy. And understanding and appreciating, this is not your mama's media. This is not the media we grew up with. 147 different ways to say, can you hear me now? And not everyone that's driving necessarily is the smartest tool in the shed. So, uh, I mean, we are the media, so you can have someone like you who's broadcasting to where you're broadcasting versus a CNN versus uh, a podcaster broadcasting in their parents' basement. It's all on a level playing field.
1: It is on a level playing field. You're exactly right.
2: So it's an issue of media savvy. Um, Even if I believe that, I would never say it. And I would never say it because once it's out there... You can't ever get it back.
1: But what business sense does... I can't understand. Help me understand. Let, let me explain. Let me make this personal a moment. I, I used, Listen, I listen to Barbara Streisand all the time. I, I, maybe I'm dating myself. My wife and I enjoyed her music. We've seen her at the MGM Grand Arena, what have you. Okay. Do I want the entertainer that, that I go and spend good money for to watch her perform tell me... My politics, to tell me what her beliefs are, who I should vote for, or that she doesn't like this one or that one, the other one, and she's gonna move that. You know what? I don't. Now, do, what does that mean? That means she has a new album out, and, and do you know what? I'm not buying the album. And do you know what? I don't even wanna hear her anymore. And do you know what? I'm fed up. Malcolm is fed up with entertainers, singers, personalities, people telling me what I need to eat for breakfast, who I need to vote for, and what I'm about. That's not what I hire you for. That's not what I pay the ticket for. So it pisses me off, Gail Murphy.
2: Okay, so here's my reaction to you, Mr. Malcolm. You are entirely too invested in what Barbara Streisand says and does. You don't even know her. She doesn't even know you. Uh, Your reaction, in my mind, is an overreaction. That is like going to a baseball game and the game gets really heated and crazy and believing every single thing they say. You have to be discreet. You have to use. All right,
1: so coffee. hold on. So you. So if you. If I hear you right, mm-hmm. you're saying then even the yeah. things they're saying are part of the entertainment.
2: To a certain extent, yes. When that red light goes on, it's showtime, babe.
1: But what about the people who are, as you say, not the smartest uh, uh, tool in the shed? What about the people who really do believe her?
2: Well, you know what. I worry fiercely about stupid people.
1: <laughs>
2: I do, I do. When I see the overdevelopment in my city, and I see how all the BS we go through with insurance, and and how you can't get a live person on the phone, it makes me wonder what do stupid people do?
1: I know, and you know what the good news today is, Gail Murphy is stupid people don't listen to me. Let's look at the Beyoncé episode at the VMA. She has the dancers. They're all in white. They're circling her. A big, big production. Lights, showcase. I mean, it's all there. Big audience. All of a sudden, each dancer falls onto the floor. The spotlights turn bright red to showcase blood. The whole motion is that they're being shot by police officers. That's the whole platform in position, the, the motive, if you will, of this production. Now, then you say, well, people like her as an entertainer, performer. Uh, shes They're very wealthy. I mean, her and J.C. were some of the more wealthiest people, you know, and yet they're using their celebrity to do these things. And I wonder, how was that perceived in that room and out in the public? It doesn't seem like there was a lot of backlash on that performance, was there, Gail?
2: No, there wasn't any, and I'll tell you why. Because if you're a fan of Beyonce's and you've listened to her music for longer than ten minutes, you know that she's an activist. She's a feminist. She's an activist. She creates film in addition to uh, clothing and music and dance. That she has these messages and and the that she wants to talk about. That she f- has sees her, the the gift that she's been given which allows her to talk to so many people all at once and be able to jump the queue and get get her message out there that she uses her art to be able to inform um there was one review that that was talking to naysayers about specifically the way you describe the performance those that were outraged uh, about formation the the result was that anyone that is outraged you're on the wrong side of history it's just art the goal of art is to come away with a reaction good or bad it doesn't matter as long as you feel something
1: have any of these entertainers suffered at the ticket office or experienced any backlash at all from their comments do you know of any that have suffered
2: (laughs) I got two words for you. The Dixie Chicks. Actually, it's three. The Dixie Chicks. That's right. right off, yeah, right off the top. The Dixie Chicks. And they never recovered.
1: You know, you're right. Even to the, this point, they just come out with something recently, and the media poo-poos them immediately. So, so hold on. So, now we're on to something. So, you do believe, then, Gail, you know, that this has an impact, yeah?
2: Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. This 49ers guy... I mean, there's a lot of talk that I've been hearing that he may not even get signed. Exactly. No, but it as something else because it becomes a distraction.
1: So you do believe there's a backlash for this. You do believe when these celebrities, personalities, entertainers, sports players, when they take a stand, some of them also are not really thinking it through. And you said, in fact, you were honest right up front when we started this conversation, Gail, you said that it's probably not the smartest thing they could do.
2: Well, in a, you know, the media is a powerful instrument. Fire is a powerful instrument. You have to be indoctrinated into how to use it. You have to be able to be fluent. You have to be able to say what you have to say. And some of them are not so nice things but make it in a way that peop- that you don't turn people off.
1: We, we all have strong opinions. I mean, I do, you do, everybody listening. We all have an opinion, you're exactly right. Entertainers have opinions, everybody does. But it's how you use those opinions and what you do with them. And as you say, a lot of the entertainers, they put it out there. Many of them may get hit at the box office. Things may unravel for them. Is it the smartest thing? Possibly not. Do we have the right to say all these things? We do have a right. It is our First Amendment right. Uh, Free speech is part of our privilege to be an American now, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is. Absolutely yes, it is. So so you have something you want to say it's maybe not so nice, not so good. So fa- do what the pros do 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 what Hollywood does. they you know they understand and appreciate. And they use uh, art to stir the pot, and they understand that art like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So let's say by using music, film, dance, and TV, it gives us the opportunity to talk about some of these not-so-nice things like war, violence, and disease. So you have someone like Francis Ford Coppola who wants to talk about that, so he creates a film called Apocalypse Now. Springsteen wants to talk about veterans returning home and maybe not getting their fair shake, and he writes a song called Born in the USA. Tom Hanks wins an Oscar for Philadelphia, and they talk about AIDS. Michael Jackson's We Are the World, and even Merle Haggard's "Okie from Muskogee." It provides for discourse. Hollywood loves discourse as long as we can sell it, and if people talk about it like we are right now, jackpot.
1: Your message is just lighten up a little bit. Don't take it so hard. It is entertainment. If you don't like it, turn the channel. Don't don't buy the ticket.
2: You know what's even better? If you're sitting there watching the VMAs and you don't and you don't like what she's saying, turn the sound off and just watch the dancing. I see. America, everybody, let's lighten up and start appreciating what we have, that we can sit at, in front of our TV and click on and click off or d- watch something however we choose to watch it. You
1: know, Gail, listening to you now, you're probably going to outlive most people with that attitude. You keep that going. You'll just be calm, <laughs> cool, and collective Gail, huh? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you're going to outlive everybody, young lady.
2: Well, you know, life life just isn't long enough, babe.
1: Life is too short. You got it.
2: And it's just art. In other words, if you are so radical about something that you're never going to buy their stuff anymore, man, you really got the message. It's the only job of art is to make you feel something. And if you're like so incensed that you want to leave, it's like... You got it. Like If you don't like it or hate it, you got something out of it. And that's the goal.
1: Talk. Just talk. Because that's what we do here, friends. Malcolm Out Loud Talk. Welcome to the show. Well, the Washington Post reports, well, Beyonce's words, stop killing us, wasn't the first time Beyonce invoked the phrase, Well, it appears as graffiti in the video for her song, Formation. You know, it's interspersed between shots of a young black child dancing in front of a line of police in riot gear. ...who later raised their hands up. Of course, this is a reference to the uh, shooting of Michael Brown. And then the singer lounging on top of a New Orleans police car sinking into water... ...that recalled the devastation of Hurricane Katrina. So, definitely activists would be one of the things we'd say. But National Sheriff's Director Jonathan Thompson, he told the Post... "...it's inciting bad behavior," he says... And I quote, art is one thing, but yelling fire in a crowded theater is entirely another one, he says. Some police unions even encourage members to boycott the artist's latest tour. So Beyonce, she has a response to this. But before I tell you the response, let me bring on here, Lieutenant Randy Sutton, 34-year law enforcement veteran. So Beyonce says that those who believed she was sending an anti-police message were mistaken. She says, now listen to this, and I quote, these are her words now, I have so much admiration and respect for police officers and the families of officers who sacrificed themselves to keep us safe. She said this in an interview with Elle magazine earlier this year. This wasn't said this week, but it was said this year. Now, but then she says, but let's be clear, and she wraps it up this way. I am against police brutality and injustice. Those are two separate things. Lieutenant Sutton, they are two separate things, but according to the facts and the data we've already shared on this show, police brutality is not a big problem. In fact, it's gone down in recent years. So what gives here? Why the narrative? Why are we all misinformed?
3: Well, it's because there is a political agenda behind everything that Beyonce does. We've seen that from her outlandish Super Bowl performance, where she utilized her, her talents and her celebrity to put forth a narrative that is supportive of the hate group Black Lives Matter and this is just another this is uh, a continuation of that uh, the fact that she was able to utilize uh, in in, the, in very similar fashion to the democratic national convention trotting out the, the mothers of uh, of michael brown and trayvon martin to put forth a narrative that is false that it is the police that are out there killing innocent black people and and committing atrocious acts of police misconduct and this is her narrative this is this is, she owns it. I mean, the interview that she gave with Elle was just spin because she's getting so much backlash. The fact of the matter is that it's uh, she owns this and she and her husband, Jay-Z, are part of the problem. They're not part of the solution.
1: What's this doing to our kids? What's this doing to the next generation? I mean, if, if this is what they think the attraction is, that, you know, you got football players on the sidelines sitting down, they're saying, I don't want to do the national anthem. Cry, cry, cry. I just want to sit here because uh, of oppression. black op- Oppression against blacks. And I don't, you know, th- th- is this a role model? Beyonce's up there with, you know, people turning red and bleeding and falling on the ground. That's entertainment. Is that a role model? You know, people like Streisand come out and say, you know, if this one gets elected, I'm moving to Australia. Or canada and that's kind of been my narrative today on the show is that what is all this doing in society uh lieutenant sutton to our kids and what's the next generation how are they going to be able to handle this and i know dr martinelli had some fascinating things to say about that in regards that he's really concerned
3: he should be concerned we all should be concerned because what we're seeing is a degeneration of the social contract that has existed in this country for century and that is that we are a system of laws. the there are less than 800 about 800,000 law enforcement officers in, in the United States that are policing roughly 320 billion people. If people do not adhere to the laws voluntarily, then 800,000 police officers can't make it happen and and what that is part of the social contract of why it is so important to um, for people to have respect for law enforcement, to respect the laws of this nation and to comply. And then, if you choose not to, if that is your personal choice to choose not to, then you're going to face the consequences. What we are seeing now is a society that is degenerating to the point where they do not want consequences for any of their actions. And when we see people like Beyonce who are celebrating that type of uh, activity, then that furthers the, the narrative to young people that, okay, Hey, listen! If a star like this is saying this, we need to listen to it. If if a NFL player do, uh, doesn't want to stand up for the national anthem because he doesn't lo- love his country, then hey, we can become like him. So, you, so you're
1: you're thinking like a
3: social fabric.
1: You're thinking like a lot of people are thinking that they're they're drinking the Kool Aid. The, the 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 millennials are drinking this Kool Aid, man. They they believe this stuff. Here's the big question. How has this impacted law enforcement? I mean, what what is you know? I just read to you what one guy said. What one uh, the National Sheriffs' Director said, Jonathan Thompson. What? How has this impacted law enforcement, and how are they reacting to the current state?
3: Well, there's a, there's a great there, there's a lot of reaction to what is happening within our nation. Um, you are seeing a demoralization of police officers. You're seeing a dehumanization by the media and by uh, uh, groups, very well funded groups like. Black Lives Matter, uh, who, of course, is part parcel of Beyonce's personal philosophy or dehumanizing the police morale within police agencies has been lowered. The recruitment to police agencies is dramatically lower. You are seeing retention of police officers being lowered because because they're saying, you know what, why should I do this job if no one cares about me and no one respects me? for thirty five or forty or fifty thousand dollars a year. Why should I literally put my life on the line for people who don't care about me? Yes. And and so we're seeing we're seeing the beginnings of what is going to be, I predict, a long term negative effect on our nation by the decreasing numbers of law, and those who uh while they are doing the job are de- are doing what is called de policing. That is they're they they are they are doing only what is necessary to get the job done they are not doing proactive well that's what i was wondering yeah that's and that's where the rubber meets the road in policing that's where crime is solved and that's why you're seeing the murder rates just skyrocket all over and we're starting
1: to see that in major cities and urban areas aren't we
3: Absolutely. I mean, Chicago alone is just, is, is out of control.
1: It's out of control. Chicago and I seen a report the other day that Baltimore, they were uh, some of the folks, they were begging the police to come back in and, and police properly there, yeah?
3: Yeah, but here's what's happening. Here's what's happened. 21st century policing model, which has been the brainchild of the Obama administration, now we have found through leaked emails that this was part of the George Soros-funded movement, has been... Uh, Uh, implemented in baltimore so as a result of that implementation of this new 21st century policing concept which is which is nothing short of uh of 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 hamstringing law enforcement they can't even the police can't even respond to those good citizens who want them to clean up their streets and Mm -hmm. and that's that is that's the reality and it's it's maddening
1: so the impact is very clear then there's a there's a big impact here
3: there's a tremendous impact, and we're just touching the, the tip of the iceberg, Malcolm. This is just the beginning. Um, that's what is that's what is so uh, disheartening here. You're listening
1: to the America Out Loud talk radio network. Well, it's where we say, let the silent voices be heard. You'll find a whole host of shows and a lineup of great content back at AmericaOutloud.com. And the last question I want to ask you, which is, I think, the big one here, is what's the answer moving forward? Now, you know, if you had to put a, a I don't know, a two or three point plan out there and say, OK, so these are the things that really need to happen. What? How, how do we fix this to get that trust back and to fix what's happened in, in law enforcement?
3: Well, we're facing an uphill battle. and I'll tell you why. It's because there, there is a very, very well funded hundreds of millions of dollars are being poured into the anti law enforcement machine through all kinds of, of uh, funds that are secretly funding the anti police rhetoric and messaging, including the mainstream media. I was listening to CNN today, and, and they were talking about Donald Trump and his uh, uh, talking points about the skyrocketing crime in black neighborhoods. And you know, the, 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 here's what they said I was speechless. Well, there may be some minor uptick in uh in in murders but it, but it's actually the, the crime rate's actually uh, going down. They had the audacity to say that in, in in spite of the realities because that is pushing their narrative now what what needs to be done there there are several things that have to be done one of it is that the police leadership has to actually uh uh grow at, has, has, has got to become less emasculated, I'll put that politely, uh, and, and take the bull by the horns and lead. Their police officers are, are out there, they want leadership, they want to do the job properly, and they need the proper training, the proper leadership, and, the, uh, and law enforcement as a whole has to get a lot smarter and start fighting fire with fire on social media and utilization of the mainstream media as well.
1: Well, it sounds like they need a good PR firm. Huh.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, you're right. You're right because yeah. because the, the the other side, the enemy, and they are the enemy. They are they are systematically trying to destroy um, the. Uh, they want to dismantle and defund policing. That is their end goal. And if you look at the, what Black Lives Matter goals are, that's one of them. So all of these other entities that are assisting them uh, in the in their endeavors are doing. Just that. They are, they are, uh, trying to dismantle the, the law enforcement system as we know it.
1: Well, I think this is a moment in time that people are going to have to really uh, start to do the math and pay attention, uh, look at all the facts. But you know, for those who want to uh, disengage here, and those who want to, as you say, uh, you know, uh, bring law enforcement to a halt, you have to think of where this country would be with no law and order, and what really happens. And you also have to think, further, friends, what is the motivation of these people? I mean, what what, what could possibly be the motivation of those people who want to to break down society because without law and order, you have no society left. I mean, it becomes total mayhem.